Hey, welcome back to the Intuitive Mindset Podcast with Jeannie Lynch. And this is Season 2, Episode 8. And I'm really excited to bring in my next guest, Raina Nysis, one of the nicest people you'll meet. We're going to be diving in and peeling back, which so many of us are dealing with right now, caring for our aging parents at the same time trying to find balance in our own busy lives. That's the topic of today. So if that's you, and that's many of you out there, please stay listening. That beautiful, heartwarming podcast. It's coming up next. Hey, Jeannie Lynch coming back to you today. Welcome back. So excited to bring you this next topic. And it's one that is so near and dear to my heart. Are you ready? Here's my question today. Have you ever had the beautiful experience of witnessing a birth? Maybe you've had your own child, right? I remember when my own daughter was born and, you know, that final push, that last push opened my eyes. And I swear to you, everybody that was available at the hospital was in my room and they all wanted the same thing. They wanted to be part of that celebration and witnessing the magnificence that we call life. Well, my guest and I both believe that that same beautiful transition absolutely happens as we head back home. So we're gonna talk about that today. Raina is coming in, you're gonna meet her. You're gonna learn about her beautiful business, which is called A Season of Caring. We're gonna also talk about her new book, which is No Regrets. You can only imagine what that's gonna be about. And I can't wait to share her with you. So stay listening, stay watching that beautiful episode. It's coming up next. Raina, so happy you're here today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come in and talk to our audiences. So whether people are listening to this on our podcast or following this on our YouTube channels, we truly do appreciate the audience. So Raina Nysis, and we just, we know that you're the nicest person we'll ever meet. So I love that little pun in there. We're going to talk today. I did kind of do a layup to you, but this first question is just, I want to get to know you better. And I want our audiences to know you. And we're going to talk about this beautiful aspect of what you're doing for business. And you're going to open the door to that. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to share you know, I think it's such a blessing to share our stories and to help other people see how we weave our lives together and influence others. So I'm honored to be here. So my story starts really with um, caring for aging parents and in a way that a lot of people haven't. You mentioned earlier that, you know, I've lost both of my parents to Alzheimer's. So I was, um, we knew that my dad had been diagnosed because he had a 14 year journey with the disease. So he was, you know, doing really well, honestly. And his sister was living with him. He'd stopped driving, but he was going to the gym three times a week, playing volleyball three times a week. He's just a really active guy. And he developed melanoma and had to have surgery. And so those of you that know anything about the brain, you know that that interaction of anesthesia and Alzheimer's isn't a good fit. And so he really had a period of time that it just really went downhill, being able to care for himself and do those personal things. How old was your father? You said it was a long journey, you know, years. How, how old was he was when he was diagnosed? So he was 73 when he Young. was diagnosed. Okay, got it. So my mom was 53 when she was diagnosed. 
advanced. And so she lived 12 years with the disease and then he um, seven years after that was diagnosed. Um, so at that point, then he really needed more help than his sister could provide. So my sister and I hit that point where we were, now what do we do? She had elementary age kids. I had a student in high school. I was teaching part-time. I was going to school to be a coach. There were so many things going on in our lives, but here was this big need. And so we really got together and talked with dad and he had asked us in the very beginning of his diagnosis, I want to be at home as long as possible. And so I had to kind of struggle with that. What does that look like and how do we do that? And so we made the decision to bring in-home care to him 24 seven. And I was one of those caregivers. So I live on a farm about 220 miles away from where dad lived. And so I drove up and stayed three days a week with him. And so that made a big shift in our lives. Your whole journey of, you know, helping your own family do this process, right? So, right. so take me through, how did it, when did it switch? Did, did, did the parents both pass? And then you were like, hey, I think more people need to do this. And so take me through into your business real quick too. And I'm not, I'm going to get back on track with our questions, but I just want to kind of navigate through sure. how did you stop? Because this is so many people, they have to stop the work to take care of the parent and then they got to go back to work. But you stopped the work, took care of your parent and then continued to do this work for others. So take us through that journey and kind of what that looks like today as you support other people. Sure. So actually, I never really stopped the work. I shifted, I, I pivoted. And so I was teaching four days a week um, as a reading specialist in a, a private school. And I did stop that work, which I kind of had planned to do that anyway, because I had got into life coaching. And so I finished my training, I started my practice all at the same time as I was caring for my dad, because that job was mobile. So I was able to do that. So I was really working with women in transition and, and having coaching clients. It was a small clientele, but it was something that just really was helping me hone my skills and get to that point. So after the four and a half years of caring for my dad in his home and losing him at that point, then that's when I made the shift to say, you know, this has been a really tough journey. And I know that many other people are going to be here. And I would just like to be able to come alongside them and offer them some tools and some support in the season. So, so that's do when I made you... the shift. Do you take clients today? Is it all focused on end of life transition? And that's kind of your, that's your ideal client? Or are you still open to working with women in transition and all aspects? You know, I'm still open to working with women in transition, but my passion is really supporting those that find themselves just walking into the season. I like to say that I want to walk with you as you walk your parent all the way home. And I want you to have a life that you love so that whenever you do bury them, you have a life to walk back into. Because I think so many times the season can become completely overwhelming and we give up everything and we find ourselves really lost at the end of the life of the person that we're caring for. And we know that that's not really what they want either. And so, you know, really being able to find the way to honor both yourself and for them is my passion. So I love this. I wish, I wish there was more people who did this too. So help me understand, we'll call it like the care plan. Cause there's always, it takes a village, right? So it can never, you're not going in just to do the health home care, although you did that and you know, there's different aspects of needs and paperwork and all that. So do you help with the technical side of it or are you still on the viewing and the coaching and trying to mediate the family and take me through 
just like a, give me an example of a client who maybe came to you and you can say, oh, this was the experience and this is what I was able to help. I think the people who, there's going to be so many people who are watching this are going, oh my God, she's telling me my story right now. I could really use some help. How could we assist other people with your work? So my heart is really to come alongside and help you with the emotional beats, because that is the most difficult part, I think, in the process. Definitely helping you find resources, explore opportunities to get those additional resources, because I'm huge about finding your team and getting those people around you to help you be able to, again, engage in your own life at the same time as have you know, be able to honor your parent through this process. Um, we need to make sure that we're really getting all of that into place. And so I find that the need is really to come alongside. So, you know, we're talking about the timeline and, you know, from one aspect of, you know, assisting your parents and then starting your business, you were already coaching. And so you, like you said, you didn't stop. You just grew and transitioned into a bigger aspect of it. Um, the timeline, it's the last five years you've been doing this because now we got to kind of get into this beautiful book that you wrote called No Regrets. So take me there. Tell me about that. After losing him, then I made that pivot with my business. And just as I was talking with people and hearing their stories and their needs, I realized that our story could really meet a lot of needs and help encourage others in this season. And so I was able to write the book called No Regrets, Hope for Your Care giving season. And it really is just a combination of sharing our stories, what okay. we did to help my dad in his season, and then the things that I learned. So those things I wish I had known when I first started and I, and I had to discover the hard way. And those things that, um, you know, really those personal stories and just some specific tools and tips for people to be able to make it through this season. So it's an inspirational, no inspirational book, but also would you consider it like a workbook? Are there chapters where someone can kind of navigate through like this season and so on? There are definitely tips and ideas that you can take notes and to, to do your own thinking okay. through and resources. So the first half is a lot of kind of how do we handle medicine, doctors and hiring help and honoring him and offering him to be able to continue the things he loved, just those kinds of things. The last six chapters are how do I deal with me? How do I deal with my emotions? How do I make my life one that I love, even at this time when I'm needing to put so much focus somewhere else? Yeah, I got two really important questions that I know will open up a beautiful discussion for us. Um, the first one is you kind of laid up to a beautiful question I love asking, which is, if I knew then what I know now, I would have. So that's a good, because you were talking about what it taught you. And I think those two questions are in one. Um, if you knew then, what you know now, what would you have done differently? Or would you do anything differently? You know, I did name my book, No Regrets. And I've had people kind of challenge me on that. But I think the reason why I say I have no regrets is because I really, um, throughout the process, took time to reflect and to really make a new choice if I wasn't happy with the choice I was making at the time. So would I do anything different? I think the one thing that comes to mind is I would talk to my dad more in the beginning when he could talk to me. With the disease, my mom lost her verbal skills within three years of her diagnosis. So I was 19 when my mom could no longer have conversations with me. And I knew that 
but I didn't really relate that to my dad because his progression was so different. We were almost eight years into his diagnosis and he was still verbal, but he wasn't able to have as much of a conversation, you know, a heart conversation probably at that time even, but I wish that I'd had more of those heart conversations. We talked and we had great memories and I love the memories and time that I had with him, but really gleaning that wisdom and knowledge from him. I wish I'd gotten more. I know when you and I were meeting and talking offline, I was sharing with you coming home to my own family. My father had um, all these signs as we're talking and my family just kept saying this statement and I know, you know what it is. It's, you know, well, it's only going to get worse because this is, this is the type of disease it is. And today it's this, but tomorrow it could be this. And, you know, I kind of came through the door once and my, one of my sisters really was the one who provided all the care like you are to your family. She was the, the lead, I guess we'll call it. But I remembered saying, geez, you know, every day we just keep talking about how much worse it's going to get. And every day we're making the best decisions, the informed decisions that we can with the information and this disease taking over that we can make. So in a sense, we're not, it's not getting worse. We're doing better by following and navigating through this process. So I'm sure, do you tend to attract people with the Alzheimer's or is it anybody at the end of their life? You know, I definitely would be thrilled to work with anyone at the end of their life. My experience is Alzheimer's, and I think so, so many people relate to that. My stories, it just makes people go, oh, me too. You know, it's that feeling of really being seen by somebody, but definitely we can journey together anyone who's on this walk. And my main goal is your heart just needs to be honoring your parent and living a life that you love. And if that's your page, we can work together. Okay, so here's the next tough question then. You answered the the regret one. We got, this one's probably going to end up getting a little heated because I know that a lot of people watching might go, and the question is this, and it's not on your sheet, so I apologize, but you'll know how to answer it. (laughs) Navigating through families, right? Every, the lead and people and the different, and everybody has their own contracts with their mom and dads, as we know spiritually. So how do you, how do you get everybody involved or listen to every, you know, how do you deal with the family navigation? Because I know that's got to be part of your work. It is. It's tricky. And I think the most important thing is just to remember, it's not about you and it's not about winning. (laughs) It's about keeping your parents the priority and helping others to be able to do that as well. I often work with those people that are the primary lead and they're the ones who are making the biggest sacrifice as people would say, but I always say, make sure that you're inviting, invite the others to be a part and then it's their choice. They can either say, no, I don't want to make time for that or okay, I'll be here and do this. So I I think the key is to not get resentful to those other family members that are not in in the trenches with you, but realize that they can have a part and they can have an important part. It just doesn't have to look like your part. And so really navigating, again, I think the emotions of it are part of where really get in the way is that we just expect everybody to think like us and to do what we do. And we know that doesn't really work. It doesn't work in any relationship. So it's really going to work in this situation. I love that awareness. Um, I would like to, to share with you. And I think we talked about this a little bit. um, 
end of life interview I was doing with a whole some people on my in in my world and getting the person prepared. So I know we're talking a lot about supporting the family and you know a lot of people no matter how prepared you are. I was in the financial world for years and everyone I have the trust set up and don't worry the <laughs> wills in place and I'm no matter how prepared people are there's still so much to do. So I'm I want to go next into talking about getting the soul, the spirit, the person prepared for this transition to the other side. Does any of your work connect to that also? So that I can only, and again, I'm going on my own experience. I was able to help Michael's father at the end of his life, help him get through the grief of losing his wife of 65 years, grief, and then oh. approached him after his wife died and said, how would you like to do an interview with me? And, and he wanted the last word. So this was we worked on this project for three years together. He wow. said everything he wanted to say to his family. He, It was him at this funeral saying, you know, I want you to remember me this way. And it was important to him. Mm -hmm. And there was no doubt in my mind when he transitioned, he was ready. He had dotted the I's and crossed the T's. So take me there to your work. Is that a component that's also in your beautiful work? You know, I think it is such an important piece of it. Again, if you're dealing with someone with Alzheimer's, they lose that ability to communicate. And so that's one of the things that I really encourage people to be in the moment, to have the conversations and to really just open the door to be able to talk about these things early and often. That's <laughs> the way I put it. We have to talk about it. We have to allow the other person to talk about it because they do have things that they want to share and are important to them. So no matter where they are in the journey, that ongoing conversation really has to be important. And I think as a person who's caring, sometimes we just want, we get in this place of wanting to push, push, push and take care of and heal and fix everything. Yes. So a lot of what I do is reminding us to say, let's look at where we are, what's most important, you know, what's important to mom or dad? Are they tired? Are they done? Are we listening? Are we looking for the signs of them, you know, being ready and you're not? Yes. And so we do have those tough conversations. What is, um, what is, can you, can you share a couple challenges that you see? Like, boy, if you could get in there and fix, I mean, I know everyone's so different, so that might be really hard to answer, but if you could say, you know, if more people, if more people realized it was emotions and not control and, you know, so what would be some tips for somebody maybe navigating this right now in their life? What would you, what would you give for three tips for advice for anyone who's starting this process and doesn't know where to start? What's a good start point? So number one is do not jump before you look. Okay. So many times we are, we are helpers. That's who we are by nature. And we're just stepping in to help. And if we step in and do everything ourselves, we will find ourselves in a place where we've given up everything. And there were a little puddle on the floor, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it. we just don't have anything left. And so we can't jump before we really look, we need to really look at what's most important and how, what do I need to do and what can someone else take care of? So for example, if our parents are aging and the yard's not taken care of like they've always wanted it to be, I love the heart of let me help you, but what if I were to hire the neighbor king? <laughs> you know, it. instead yes. of taking it all on ourselves. Yes. The second one would be to take time to reflect. We have to spend time reflecting on our own emotions 
and on how things are going. Because in the moment, we're just reacting. And unless we really take time to reflect on our own condition of our heart, on our loved one's condition of their heart, and on what's really happening, how it's going, then we can't make those adjustments we need to make. And that's when we find we have regrets later. Love it. We got one more. One more, I would say, um, you know, just really cherish the moment, stay in the moment. So many times people with Alzheimer's lose their purpose. And my dad was a athletic go-getter his whole life. And I found uh, in the summer, you know, we don't regulate heat the same as we age. And he wanted to be outside and he was getting overheated. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I went to Walmart and I found this net. And so I went ahead and I purchased this nut and I thought, well, let's just see how it goes. I put that net on the dining room table and we spent three hours playing ping pong, laughing and being silly. And it was so much fun that within three weeks, my husband and I found a used ping pong table. We moved it into the formal family room. We moved all the furniture out of the way. And for years, my dad and I and caregivers too would play ping pong with him. And he was so ornery. He would hit that corner of that ping pong table and laugh as I had to go all the way down the hall where the bedrooms were to chase that ball. You know, we just had so much fun. And I think there are things they can't do. All of our parents, as they age, they're going to be things they can't do, but there are things they can do. So spend the time doing those things and have fun, make the memories and stay in the moment. My gosh, that's a whole video on itself. I love those. And I'm going to go to number two that you were talking about, which is compassion. It's just a good opportunity to plug another video right up there. Um, I just did this whole one. I don't know if you saw it. It was on compassion and just how to be compassionate and the mistakes that people think when they think they're being compassionate. So mm-hmm. little plug for that. It's It lines up with your work because you can't be in the moment with somebody with Alzheimer's and right? And not be compassionate. Right. Definitely. So listen, we're coming around the final 220. I want to make sure that in our talking today and introducing and talking about your book and your work and allowing people to know that, you know, this thing that everyone's afraid of, you know, hey, everybody, it's going to happen to you, right? So we're all going to at some point transition. Um, I'm reminded as you were talking, there was a woman I did an interview with recently we're talking about being prepared for grief. And she said, it's never too late to start learning now, you know? So I just, it's such, it's so important for the people who are, you know, so focused on just helping their parents get through this moment. This is, you're, it's, you're already starting the grief process, right? So you are. Lean mm-hmm. in, lean in. So yeah. have I missed anything today that when you knew I was going to interview you, you were really hoping that we would have the time to talk about? Well, I wanted to share one of the, you know, and the title of my book is the second part is hope for your caregiving season. So would you mind if I shared a little bit from the end of my book? I would love that. I think it's a perfect way to wrap up too, before we go into our rapid fire. So let's do that. All right. Very good. Through the season, you're going to experience different heartaches, acknowledging them, but not just stopping at the heartache. Look past the heartache for the hope. There you can come to find it in the end. For me, Jesus, my Lord and Savior, is my source of hope. Being able to evaluate the heartaches that came through my season of caring has actually helped me to find hope in the way that the Lord helped me grow through the experience. He allowed me to exchange the heartaches for hope and for other things that have come out of the season of caring for my dad. 
I put together a list of these heartaches that I exchange for the beauty of hope. I hope that these can show you that you can do the same. Hope, after my mom's terminal disease, building a closer relationship with my dad. Hope, after watching my dad give, his job, give up his job and stay home and care for my mom, learning what sacrifice looks like. Hope, while my dad cares for my mom for 12 years in their home, watching true love lived out. Hope for feeding, bathing, and caring for my mom's physical needs when my dad would let me, developing the ability to see someone's needs without her being able to verbalize them. Hope after burying my mom when I was only 28, seeing my mom through the eyes of others at her funeral. Hope for life, even when dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's seven years after losing my mom. I'm valued and important to God, even when the unthinkable happens. Hope as my dad's disease progressed in needing 24-7 care, experiencing my husband's love and sacrifice shining through for my family and me. Hope after deciding, mm. hope after deciding to help dad keep dad at home, growing a beautiful friendship with my sister. Hope while cleaning up poop, urine, and blood after accidents, stepping into dad's needs and putting aside any discomfort of my own. Hope after burying dad 20 years after mom, realizing I loved him well and walked him all the way home, and I have no regrets. Hope while grieving the journey, a heart to serve others as they walk their parents home. There's always hope. Now, my big question's got to be, how did you do that without crying? <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, that is uh, so beautiful, and I can totally understand the title of your book. So, hope. I love it. That was gorgeous. Thank you. Thank, thank and you. thank you. Thank everybody for staying to watch and listen to this too. So I think we're going to go from that to our rapid fire. Are you ready? Okay. So one word questions, the music's keyed up, there's sound effects going on right now. So this is my chance to say and, and end on a fun note to such a serious topic. Thank you so much. So happy to meet you and thank the audience for staying in. Let's do it. What is your favorite spiritual book? The Bible. Yay! <laughs> to change the world today, the world needs what in order to be changed? Hope. Spoken so beautifully, right? We'll, re we'll refer to that chapter in your book. Everybody comes with a life lesson. What do you think your life lesson has been? It's hard, but it's worth it. Love that. What do you love about yourself? My resilience. Last question before we wrap up and say goodbye, so thank you again. What are you doing when you're experiencing pure joy? Hanging out with my puppy dog. <laughs> we got to witness it or here. Or my grandkids. I love my it. My grandkids adore it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, thank thanks you. so much. I appreciate you. you. And we will catch you absolutely out again, because I know this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship for you and I. And I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. for listening to today's podcast and if you enjoyed it you will love my youtube channel so head on over to my youtube channel that link is in the description 250 videos with spiritual topics one-stop shopping for everything spiritual so check it out thanks again always appreciate your time bye now